This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and you have downloaded the Homesdale Radio podcast. Um, Yeah, I thought we had a good show today, guys. Um, Obviously, we talked a lot about the game um, and we also had an interview coming up which I guess you guys will be hearing soon um, with Toby Tarrant from Fan TV. Um, now as podcast downloaders are aware we have an intro and outro and in the intro we normally have Will, that's Will Gossett, Will Gillard, his question of the week. <laughs> um, now Will's question this week is does wearing a luminous kit help teams with their passing? Patrick. Um. <laughs> what, what a Definitely question. Definitely not going to answer that. Well, I, I will say this. Barcelona and Liverpool both wear one, and they both are great passing teams. So I'm going to say, yes, it does help you. How about that? That's true. That's very true. And let's not forget, let's not forget the, 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 the great Dutch sides of the past, you know, bright oh, that's orange. right. Yes, right. Yes, you're right. Uh, so maybe there is a correlation between good passing sides and a bright kit. What do you think, Nick? Well, I don't know if it makes you, it makes them stand out anymore, but it makes me feel sick watching them. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got, a, I've got a subsequent question, though. Okay. Okay. What, and I think I know the answer to this, Patrick. You'll probably have to jump in here because I think Alex is going to be too young. But what is our worst ever kit that Palace have played in? Easy, isn't it? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> the worst kit. Wow. It's a simple one, Patrick. Come on. Think about the FA Cup final. Replay. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's true. That was, yeah, the, the Bumblebee kit was the The Bumblebee worst. kit. Do you know why? We only went one time. So I don't think of one for a whole season. You're right, Nick. The Bumblebee <laughs> kit was the worst kit. And it was actually close to being luminous, except it was uh, dark yellow and, um, and black. But you're right. Bumblebee kit, worst kit ever. No doubt. Oh, it was oh. freaking abysmal. Alex, Alex, I don't suppose you actually remember it, do you? No. I actually do have the kit that you're wearing in your Skype picture, Nick. Uh, yeah. the, the green collar and uh, it's a 1993 away shirt. Uh, is that, is that yes. the, Brazil, the Brazil kit? Yeah, yeah I've got the that. computers. Lovely, lovely shirt. What are your, uh, actually, on, the, on that topic, what are your favourite Palace kits and Palace shirts from the past? <sighs> you go, Patrick, because I've got a couple. Mine is the uh, 79, the sash. Yeah, uh, classic. 
Right, and I also, honestly, I, I love, I'm a big sash person. I love the evil sash, the black sash. I love the current mm. banana sash. I'm a big sash person. I think the sashes have all been very, very good. Very, very Lovely. good. And that shirt is very expensive whenever I've seen it on eBay. The Adidas one and the Admiral one. Oh, pricey, I've, pricey shirt. I've got it, thank goodness. I thought I'd buy oh. this one, so I've got it. So. Lucky, lucky. And Nick, what about you? Well, unfortunately, Patrick's just broken into my house because he's, because if, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I've been doing any research on this question which obviously i haven't i would have written down the sash shirt okay yeah. so keep yeah. out of my house i've told you before okay <laughs> you're not welcome here anymore okay but, <laughs> but honestly no it's the sash the sash shirt is the it's got to be my favorite one of the time brilliant fantastic all right thanks very much guys um, and everybody else enjoy the show Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. My name is Alex Penge and tonight I'm going to be the Chung Yong Lee of the team and step in for one of our own, Chris Punchin Hamblin, as he takes a well-deserved breather this evening. Over the next hour and a half, we will be talking and hopefully analysing Crystal Palace's 4-2 home defeat to those pesky scousers, Liverpool, as well as debating Marmite man himself, Alan Pardew, and his future at the club. Here with me to try and stay as positive as possible this evening is Nick Philpott. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? Good evening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and Patrick O'Connor. Good evening. Evening. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Start off by looking at the starting lineup. Um, so we saw Tompkins and Dan together at the back. Um, with Townsend, uh, it was, well, it was notable omission in terms of Townsend not being in the starting eleven with Lee uh, coming into the side. Um, first things first, what did we think of the starting lineup? What what did we think of the Townsend omission? Was it something we were expecting? Was it something we were expecting for the Liverpool game, Nick? Um. From what I can gather from the post-match interviews, um, the the reason behind it is I understand he's had a, uh, Townsend's had a little bit of a spat with Pardew with reference that he wants to play on the right in the in the Zaha position, uh, and the reason and that's the reason why he was put on the bench. Chung Gung Lee coming in, it it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, if there was a if there's an issue. They're going to have to sort it out because you, you're playing a team with that strength, Liverpool 11. You've got to start with your, your strongest team. And the strong, strongest team doesn't include, blessing the trying very hard Chong Young Lee. Yeah, I totally agree. And Patrick, what do you think? Do you think um, Lee did a good job coming in for Townsend? And what do you think of Townsend's sort of, mission in terms of against, against Liverpool, where you know, obviously we're not going to get, see a lot of the ball um, with a team like Liverpool who can keep the ball very well. Was it the right move? Well, Townsend should understand that if he watched players play last year, that Zaha mostly plays down the right. So if he's going to have a problem with that, then he's probably not going to play a lot this season. My issue has always been that, you know, when we lost uh, Yannick, we needed to have a third option. We don't have a third option. Putting Lee outside on the, on the outside is, is a waste of a player because if you watched him play, the most effective he ever played is when he's in the middle. He's actually, to me, a better, good replacement for, for Punchin if Punchin's out because he's more of a number 10, links the player well, a good passer, etc. He's not a great tackler. So to have him playing out wide is a waste. But I understand why the manager did it based on his post-match comments about um, Townsend not wanting to play there. But again, we have, no, we have no plan B as far as a, we don't have an extra winger. 
It would have been Sacco. I'm assuming Sacco apparently is not fit or he's mm. not ready to go. So not having that third person is going to be a problem for us. And and I understand where Townsend wants to play. If you watch him play in the past, he's a left-footed outside player. That's cutting from the right onto his left foot, which he does very effectively. But yeah. again, Zaha, to me, plays better on the right than he does on the left. So that's going to be an issue. We're going to have a problem the rest of the season. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and if we look at the other areas of the team, and we saw Tompkins and Dan together at the back, um, and we saw four right-footed players in the back four with three left-footed players on the bench. Um, now, now, you know, I, for one, was not very impressed with uh, the centre-backs yesterday. Um, do we feel that, you know, they've still got the potential of, a, of sort of having a good partnership there? Because the early signs are not looking good. The um, it was quite obvious to you that you could see that Dan had been out because I think he was one step off the pace and he's obviously going to now be forming a, a different partnership with Tompkins because uh, I'm not too sure how many times they've played together in that position. But the reality is, again, in his post-match uh, comments, uh, Pardew was going on about the fact that we're missing Soiree on the left, uh, and obviously, and and it was showing yesterday. You're right, you're, you're, you're pointing out the fact that we have four right-footed players on the pitch at the start of the game just didn't work. Can I just go back to what we were just talking about a second yeah, ago? I, I, I mean, I'm actually in the chat room this evening, guys. So come and join us, Homesdale Radio forward slash chat. Uh, a couple of things, a, a quick game is uh, come in there. Uh, Danny H has said the wingers should be able to interchange and swap sides. Uh, and I think he's got a good point. Mm. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, well, just on the, the Townsend point, you know, I was really surprised to see Townsend on the bench because... Yeah, he's all right. He's not been looking great of recent a lot of recent times, but for a game against a team that keeps the ball very well, I think you need somebody like Townsend on the pitch because you know on the break, you've just got no options. And Lee, you know, personally, I think he's better in the middle. I don't think he's quick enough to play on the wing, um, and he's a player that um, you know we that you know is not gonna you know get get. Get us ticking if we you know on the break and, and looking to exploit their their fullbacks. Um, okay, let's let's look at the, the first goal. Um, obviously, a ball was looped um, from the middle of the pitch to uh, Alberto Moreno, who then drove the ball to the feet of Emre Chan. Um, you know, early signs of the game is that you know Liverpool looked very good. First ten minutes kept the ball very well. Um, do we think anyone was at fault for that first goal? Uh, because you know there was a little bit of confusion on the right hand side you know I know Ward's not been you know he's not you know regaining those dizzy heights that we saw you know a couple of years ago and um, when he first when he first was in the Premier League but you know was was Ward at fault there was was, was did Zaha lose his man what do we think Patrick yeah it was a uh, it was nothing to do with Ward in that place definitely um firstly it's on Zaha for miss for losing out Moreno when he gives a little board inside and tucks in behind him and then on the run, you could tell at the end it was MacArthur. MacArthur lost Chan on the run because you see at the end of the after the goal was scored, Dan and MacArthur are going at each other, just talking. So he's not the first. I love MacArthur as a player, and he's done really well. Did great mm -hmm. yesterday on the two goals, but defensively he's made a couple of mistakes. That was the second time I've seen him in the last two three matches lose a player on a run, and that scored against us. So in this case, I'm not going to blame Ward. Um, it was definitely Zaha miss losing Moreno, and then definitely um, MacArthur lost Chan on that goal. Nick, what do you what do you think now? But do you think that um, obviously we've seen Ledley in the team um, over the past couple of, of, of games, and he sort of cemented a position in the team? But maybe you know him not being in the side, well, him not being in that area there, maybe is he to blame? Maybe something McArthur should obviously concentrate in 
his, his role in the team, sort of pushing forward, helping Ben Sake. What do you think? Yeah, well, I saw that. I think Patrick's right what you just said. I, I saw uh, Dan having a chat with uh, Jimmy Mack after the goal. But you know, let's not face it. Let's face it. It was, it was a good ball in. A nice little mm. dink in from Marino to Emre Chan. I mean, but where 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 was Ledley? He should have been another five steps forward, closing him down quicker. When when he took the ball, uh, Ledley was that five paces off him. Okay, he just didn't try and get close enough, and it, it ultimately cost us a goal. I think I think it went in off a slight deflection as well. But at it that did. point, it's it's quite interesting to note at that point um, they were. Already all over us. At that point, with the first ten minutes, uh, Liverpool had 74 percent possession yeah. against our twenty uh, against our twenty six possession. It was they were all over us at that point. Yeah, one of the sort of one of the best I think first half performances I've seen at Sellers from from the opposing side. Um, you know, if you look at those players, they've got you know Coutinho, Firmino, Lallana, Mane. They're all really good footballers, and you know that that diamond they've got just works so well in the first half. I think we struggled to get the ball. When we did get the ball, we were disappointing um, and you know I think it was all hands on deck and we were lucky to sort of get a gift of an opportunity um, you know our first goal that Lovren slicing slicing the ball in the air and MacArthur taking initiative and nodding the ball over Karras now all right, we're seeing MacArthur in sort of more of, of an advanced role um, do we think this is the best way to utilize MacArthur or do we want him to play a lot more deeper you know I personally think he's really good as a supporting sort of a playmaker supporting the striker but you know there he just showed really good instincts and you know really good to nod the ball over carries there what, what do you think there patrick yeah he's, he's got to get forward in order to support benteke we need another midfield to get forward if it's not going to be um it's proven it's not going to be kabai he doesn't seem to want to get as far forward as as we'd like so obviously letty's got to sit in front of the back four so yeah you've got to have someone like um McCarthy does it really well. I mean, those two goals prove that getting forward helps us. But I want to go back a little bit, Alex, to the to the back four. And we talk, yeah. we talk more about balance. I mean, we've got Fryers on the bench. I'm not saying Fryers is actually cold. Mm. But you know what? Balance is important. You know, if you played football, you understand that, you know, you've got four right foot players. Their natural tendency is to cut inside each time if they're on the outside on the left. And that's, yeah. that's an issue. And I also don't see a lot of um, chemistry personally between Tommy and Dan. Now, it's early. You know, Nick and Troy, they haven't played much together before. But I'm worried about the... the um, the leadership in the back because I like Dan as a player, the great football footballer, but he doesn't really talk a lot. I mean, he right. talks a lot kind of after things happen, which is fine, but he doesn't really talk on the field. That was Delaney's job, and I think we're really let, we're missing a Delaney type. Not necessarily Delaney. I'm not going to go back and say, oh, Delaney should have started, but we need someone back there because our back four is right now. It's a shambles. It really is. It's making our goalie look really, 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 really bad, and I think we've got to we've got to address that. And that's the manager's job to address that. If he doesn't see it now, he's never going to see it because. Uh, real quick, there's a, there's a stat. We're the only team next to Sunderland to give up a goal in every match this season. It's got to be addressed. Our defensive, back, our defensive issues have to be addressed. And it does start with our, you know, the whole team. But it, admittedly, it really is the back four. And they've got to do a better job. Well, if, like, if obviously you see that the second Liverpool guy, I think Dan was at, at fault there. And, you know, Paul Markin, I don't think he right. was sort of commanding his back four. Um, you know, obviously he's taken up the, the taken the captain's arm bad this season, but you know I don't think he's a big talker like you say. Um, he's not like a sort of like a Paddy McCarthy type character right. who would scare the living daylights out of you if you if you're not nowhere near your man. But yeah, I, I think that's certainly somewhere that needs to be addressed. And I think you know with time, I think we'll we'll I think Dan at the moment, obviously coming back in the team, sort of regaining match fitness. Maybe it was a, a game too far for Dan. Maybe we maybe he should have had one more game's rest because. 
I, just, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're going to get from, you know, having sort of a half-fit Dan because yesterday, just that was completely unlike him. I think it's probably one of his worst performances in a Palace shirt and, you know, it wasn't his commanding self that we normally see uh, from him. Um, just, just going back to um, the back four, do you think that's sort of an area that we need to address in January? Because I know obviously we've got Suare on his way back and I know that's something that Pardew, you know, excuse number 234 in that, you know, we missed Papa a lot yesterday. But do you think that, you know, maybe we need a bit of strength and depth at left back and maybe, you know, give sort of someone like Kelly a rest because, you know, he's not been putting some stellar performances in at left back, Nick. Yeah, I mean, the... If you look at what happened last weekend at West, uh, the West Ham game, Cresswell, uh, Bootwood Eagle said in the chat room, Ward took a roasting last week from Cresswell. And he's, and he's absolutely right, he did. Um, Delaney, we know Delaney. Damon's done a fantastic job for us, but he's getting to the end of his time. I, mm. think, we, I think we're going to need to invest in certainly probably two centre-halves in the, in the transfer window. Uh, one of them to sit immediately alongside uh, Dan and Tompkins and whoever the other one is to come in and, and let's use the 25-man squad for what it's used for, to have two good guys to come in. Sadly, I think Ward struggled again yesterday and also you know, with um, Damo probably coming to the end of his time now, I think. Patrick, what do you think? Is, is, it, is it the end for Damo um, and is, is Ward cut out for this level? Well, um, I don't know what end of day might exactly mean. I mean, I think it's the last of his contract. I think, listen, I think players like Kelly, Delaney and Ward are good backups. You know, if you're playing an FA Cup game and they come in like uh, Kelly did last year against Tottenham, they're a good backup, but they shouldn't be starting every week. I've always had an issue with our right-back position. People have, I think people have always overhyped Ward. He did a decent job in the championship and he was okay in the first couple of years. But again, that was under managers that played more defensive. He's been asked to play a different role this year. He's asked to play a lot more offensive like Cresswell does. And he's not up for it. And we want to play this new transitional style of keeping a ball and pressing. We need fullbacks that can actually do that. And both of those fullbacks cannot do that right now. And as far as centre-halves go, I agree with Nick. We need to get a new centre-half because I think Tompkins, again, is a very good backup. I'm not sure he's ready to start. And I always have an issue with a two-right-footed centre-half playing anyway at the same time. So for me, mm. we've got to find a left-footed centre-half. That's going to be hard to do. You know that, um, Alex, you know, even if you look over yeah. in Europe, that's very difficult to find a centre-half that will fit yeah. into the Premier League situation and be able to, you know, at a good price, obviously, that is, uh, and an age is going to work for us. So it's going to be yeah, a big well, issue for us. It was the intensity of the Premier League, isn't it? And, yep. you know, I know it's well and good looking over abroad, but can they sort of fit in into exactly. the Premier League side? And that's always yep. difficult. But just going back to the point about Ward, it's, Ward's an interesting sort of, situation here that you know i think ward if he obviously moved to somebody like a west brom or a team that, that sits back he thrived he thrived yeah. he thrived that team out. but because of how we play you know we're, we're, we look to be on the front foot and we look to get a lot of width he's probably not cut out for for this for this style of play and right. it's a shame but you know under punis that's where we saw the best of ward and you know we didn't i don't think the fullbacks you know got out of, um, of, out of our half uh, under Pius at all right. um, under him. So, you know, I think it's just a victim of, of, of our success, which is sad to say, but, you know, we've got, we've pushed so far ahead now um, that, you know, we, we might, may need to look at, you know, one or two fullbacks. In, what about the, uh, what about, do we have a 
full-time defensive coach guys. And the reason I'm asking you, because back in the chat room, Booted Eagles makes a very good point. He says, Party's no defensive coach, unlike Kuman. I don't know who the uh, who's on the coaching staff, but we don't have an experienced former defender that we should recruit. Uh, we should villain, re- isn't it? But is he, a, is he the defensive coach or is he the assistant manager? What, what, well, where's the line, Patrick? He was a defender when he played. And I know when we brought him in, we brought him in because he was, um, you know, that was his special speciality was being a defensive coach. So I don't know um, if I'm assuming that he does the defensive work. That's what he got credit for when we were doing well last year with set pieces, etc. So why would that change now? Something has definitely happened. Again, this transitional style, style Nick and Alex, takes... Uh, mm. So it takes on a different thing when you're talking about defending. You've got to have ball-playing defenders, and we don't have that across the back four. So in order for us to, you know, Jelloy says, you know, you score three, we'll score four. That's not going to work. It, it only sounds good. We've got to be better defensively. Not to have a clean sheet in, what, 15 matches. It's ridiculous, and we've got to address that because, again, we're not going to thrive under this new um, transition period when we can't defend. Um, when we score two goals, we give up four. Okay, I'll, I'm going to come back on that if you don't mind, because again, sure. I'm going to stay in the uh, chat room if you don't mind, guys, because it's it's Good really breath. busy. It's really busy in the, on the chat room tonight. Keep your comments coming, please, guys, because they're wonderful. Danny H is saying makes me laugh. People talking about transition and the new style that keeps being mentioned. No right. difference the way we did play under Pulis. Lump up the field to the big dude, and at least under Pulis we could defend. Just 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 on that transition transitional period that people. What we're talking about here, you know, the, the stats don't lie. You know, we've gone, we've, we've won five in 32 games. Our record this in 2016 is absolutely horrendous. Um, the teams who we've actually won against are, are teams, you know, around us. Is it? I, I don't know. Is it early to say that you know we should be looking at the future of Pardew? Um, and I know, I know, we, we we did talk about it briefly at the beginning of the season. You know, after that end of the last season wasn't the greatest, and you know our form wasn't dazzling. But is it is it what safe to say that you know Pardew is on the verge? Maybe a couple of games because if you look at our next four home games, um, we've got Man City, Southampton, Man United, and Chelsea. Now those four games are probably toughest, tough, tough, tough four four games you could have at home. And now, if he, if he doesn't get points from from the Burnley game um, and the Swansea game, is Pardew at risk of losing his job, Nick? <laughs> Without any shadow of a doubt, of course he is. Um, he's going to have to get, hope he's going to be able to pick up at least a couple of points from those awful home games. As you say, I can't see us getting anything at home against Man City. Southampton, if we're lucky, we might get a point. Man United, if we're lucky, we might get a point. And I can't see us getting anything against Chelsea. So if, we, if he doesn't pick up anything like that, we were talking pre-show uh, and Sam, the producer, was saying uh, we need to get 20 points by Christmas. Well, judging on that lot there, I think we'll struggle. Patrick, what do you think there? Is it going to be a, a tough December for us? I mean, how could it not be? Um, again, you, you guys went over the fixtures, but this is the thing. It's not just about wins, lads. It's about quality of wins, and that's what I look for. We've won five matches in 32 matches. You know who we beat? We beat Norwich 1-0 back in April, Stoke 2-1 back in May, Stoke 4-1 in September, Sunderland 3-2 in September, and then Middlesbrough 2-1 in September. We don't beat any good teams. The last team that we beat that was good was actually Liverpool back uh, last year in November. We beat them 2-1 away. 
So yeah. he picks up points against some of the bad teams. But at this point now, you've got to look at the quality wins. And that's why I look at the FA Cup run from last year. That run saved that man's job. Because without that run, there's no way we could have kept him. But I understand, I understand people saying, you know, defending him. I, just, I really do understand it. You know, he's a, he's a legend at the club, the, the goal, the 4-3 goal. He came, from, he came with, you know, with a resume, obviously, from Newcastle, Southampton, Reading, Charlton, etc. Mm. But right now at Paris, he's not doing enough. But this is the thing now. I'm never for, I, I have never, ever, I never called for Holloway to be sacked, Warnock to be sacked, any manager to be sacked. But the thing is, at this point now, if we were to get rid of him, we have no one to replace him with. There's no one out there. People have mentioned, you know, um, possibly Chris Coleman. No, no, I don't know. Chris Coleman has no resume as a, as a club manager. People mentioned, of course, Allardyce. No, Allardyce, what he did... So you, he, so you think Allardyce should be right for, for our situation right now, just shore us up at the back? Because if, if you look at our defence, we've probably brought one of the first defences in the division. I'm trying to, if you look at the sides, even around us, right, if you look at Burnley, I think Burnley got a better, better defence than us. Middlesbrough, I think Middlesbrough have, have defended quite well, uh, despite them being, you know, only getting 10 points in 10 games. West Brom, obviously, Pulis, you know, they're strong at the back. Um, then it leaves you just someone like Hull and Sunderland. I think those are the two sides there that have probably got a worse defence than us, but we look awful at the back, Patrick, and somebody like Adelaide might be the answer. To sure, sure us up until January and bring some new blood in. I agree with that part, um, Alec. But I look at a manager more than just on the field. I really do, and I don't like I don't like what Allardyce is about. I really don't like what he's about on the field. Of course, he'll keep you up, mm. but I don't like what he's about. I didn't like the whole situation that went on off the field. The man was given the best job he could ever have in his life, and he blew it because he, you know, because he wanted. Yeah, but we've money. got we've got Pardew as manager. He's no angel, is he? That's no, the way I look at it. And that is an issue. I, listen, we talk, and that's an issue I have with them also. So I'm, mm. that's what I'm saying, though. So we're going to go from Pardue to Allardyce? Is that an upgrade? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, no. that's, that's what I'm saying. You, you know, you got to take into account not on the field, but off the field. You're, you're right, Alex. That's the reason I have, I have a problem with Pardue, but it can't be just about keeping us up. We've got to move forward. We've been in Premier League now. It's our full season. We've got to move forward. And right now, we don't have a manager to take us forward. We don't. What we I'm have now... Up. Or yeah. in the future, I don't see anybody that can move us forward. We have to go forward. We have to. What do we think the owners think of this at the moment? Because obviously, you know, they spent a lot of money on in in the summer. Um, I was. I was thinking about that in the car on the way home, Alex. It's a good question, a really good question, because um, it's going to get to the stage because of this run of games we've got coming up. It's going to get to the stage where, if the conversation hasn't already taken place, right. the the 2010 guys are going to get have to lock themselves in a room saying, okay. Where do we go from here? Patrick's, Patrick's point is spot on. Who is there out there? Okay, Because I, I can't put a name that I would want in there. Let's, give, let's not beat Pardew up completely. He, what he has shown yesterday is he's shown a little bit of strength. Okay, We might not agree with it. I get that. Okay, But by dropping Townsend because he disagreed with a Pardew decision... He didn't put him on the bench. And I think he's got to be commended for that. I mean, it's not a bad shout. We don't agree with it. We should have started with our strongest 11. We've already established that. But at yeah. least it shows that Pardew has got a pair of balls, okay? And is, you know, who else comes in? I haven't got a clue. I don't think there's anybody, there's nobody I could put my hand up and say, how about this guy here? I'll tell you what, let's, let's open this up to people listening live and people in the chat room. Who would, if, if Pardew had to leave today, who would be your choice to, to replace Pardew? Um, okay, and on, the, on that subject, then, uh, Alex, I've got Danny H. Allardyce is one of the top managers in the country, if not Europe. How on earth could you possibly not want him? 
Is that a bit of sarcasm in there from Danny? I, I think it. I think it. I think it, <laughs> it probably was. Be. Shifty ninety seven. If people want to move forward as a club, then Fat Sam is not the guy. Patrick's point again, isn't it? Um, uh, the 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 underscore Mandanda. Yeah, the next manager needs to be a big upgrade. There's no one available. Stroke suitable right now. There you go. Exactly what we were just saying. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot a lot of discussion. I imagine there'll be in the next couple of weeks. I think it'll be a big November for Pardew um, to, to to sort of gain the confidence of the fans again. Okay. Let's um let's move on to the goal just before uh, half time. Obviously. Um, you know, we saw MacArthur get his second um, of the game just before that. Um, but, you know, obviously, again, Paul Markin, um, and so you could say that was a sort of the sucker punch, you know, just before half-time. I think there, I think we felt deflated. I, I know we sort of looked good in the first five, ten minutes of the second half, but from then onwards, it was always going to be tough, wasn't it? Um, now, again, again, I think that's sort of in the failings of, of the Tompkins and Dan partnership. Um, but... At three two, what was quite interesting was the the foul on Wilf. Um, yeah. Obviously, moving towards the right hand side, um, found his way into the box, and you know Chan sort of sort of lashed out there um, on a booking. Now, what do you think? Firstly, was that a penalty? And secondly, if it if if it was a penalty, would it have been another booking? And would it ultimately have changed the game? Now, Patrick, what do you think? I know you, I know you've got you know, you've got a lot to say on this issue. Do you think that was a penalty? And secondly, do you think it would have changed the game? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I always think this with you, everybody on the on the on the show for penalties. But for me, that was a penalty for sure. Um, over here, we have um, two Robbie. Robbie Musto does a, does a, the stuff on NBCSN, and he said it was a, it was a penalty because you can see clearly clips uh, Wilf's uh, uh, leg. And this is the thing: people say Wilf go down easy, but in that case, he was he's running he's running with the ball. He gets tripped. So obviously he's going to go down. So I think that definitely changes the game. Because if we get that penalty, and of course if we score, it's 3-3. It's a different game. Right after that, obviously, um, they go down for me, you no know, chips over Mondondo, and it's 4-2 games over. So it was a penalty. And the thing, we had two shouts before, none of which I think were really good shouts. I think the uh, the, the Wilf one before was, was eh. And then obviously Van Teke going down. But of those three, that last one was definitely a penalty, and we should have had one. It was really a shame we didn't get called. Nick, what do you think now? Was that a penalty? Well, just going back to before we go, before I, can, I answer that, don't forget before that, uh, and we haven't touched on it, was the Mandanda save, okay? Oh, God, incredible. I'm sitting in the lower Holmesdale by the left hand goalpost, okay, yeah, and great. watched him touch that on, okay? Yep. And I mm. thought to myself, Fantastic. poor, poor bastard playing yep. behind those four, okay? <laughs> because that was such so a. So it true. was it was a worldie. It was a worldie. Uh, and uh, they said on I mean the commentator on the TV missed it. He said, "Was that a handball by the, uh, by Tomkins?" Yeah. No, he didn't get a lot of credit, did he? Didn't get no, a lot of credit on that. Hardly got hardly got hardly got mentioned, as you say. Well, going back to the again because of my position where I am to the left hand side of the. As you're looking down from the Homesdale, I'm in one of the front rows, left-hand side of the goalpost, okay? And so Wilf is now heading towards me. The Wilf contact on the, right in the uh, corner of the box, to me, that was a more blatant pay- penalty than the Benteke one a few seconds later. Mm, interesting. Interesting, guys. All right, so we've just got... we put a poll out on um, Twitter um, to ask, will Alan Pardew be secrecy manager at Christmas? Um, and the results have been about 51% so far saying he will, with 49% saying, 
9% saying he won't. So obviously get your votes in, guys. Uh, be interested to see what everyone thinks about Pardew and Willie being a manager still at Christmas time. Okay, so, okay, we're obviously 3-2 up. We're, you know, we had a lot of chances. And then obviously against the run of, well, against the run of play, um, uh, we saw Firmino got the other end and dink it over over Mandanda to make it 4-2 um, and made the game out of sight. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, were we happy with the timings of the subs? Um, obviously, we saw Ponching come on quite late in the game. Um, Townsend came on sort of, sort of when, when one Liverpool had settled themselves in the second half. Do we think that Pardew should have made those subs earlier? Patrick, what do you think? Yeah, especially the punching one. Um, I understand he's coming off an injury, but if you're going to put punch in the game, we all know how important he is to our team. You know, the stat was put out over Twitter that we haven't won a Premier League game without him in a side. So uh, to put him on that late, he had no impact. And, you know, and I actually feel for Campbell. You know, we put him on in situations where he can't really help us. He puts himself about, but to put him on when we put him on, I don't know, you know, what the point of that was. So, yeah, I think we should have made the subs a little earlier in the, in the match to have more of an impact. Nick, what do you think? Did he make the subs too late? Yeah, I mean, it was, I think, as soon, I actually put a message on, on, our, on our private thread, our show thread, that when we were at 3-2, okay, and we were bossing the game, I mean, we were bossing the game with the introduction of Punchin uh, and Townsend, we were bossing the game at that point. I actually put a, a message out that we are playing so well here, it'll be just like us for them to go up the other end and, and score a fault. And guess what? And unfortunately, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, it was a shame. It was a shame. Um, and yeah, what, what did we make of Liverpool? Do we think Liverpool have got what it takes to, to, to win, the, win the league? I, I, know, I know we're a Crystal Palace sort of show, but they're probably one of the best sides I've seen at Sellers for a long time. What do you think? Yeah, Alex, um, I've always said that. They, the way that they play. I mean, listen, you've been clock, they brought Klopp in a lot at the right time last season. He's had a year, he's had a year a bit over, almost a year now to get this team ready. And I'm telling you right now, they play the best football in the league. They just do. The problem they're going to have is they don't defend well. And that's a problem that we also also have, obviously. But the way they move the ball, you talk about the, the you know that that midfield four: Coutinho, Firmino, uh, Lalana, uh, Mane. That attacking four is Incredible. ridiculous. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. And whatever, if they ever figure out how to put storage in there to, to, you know, to figure out also they're going to be, but again, their problem is going to be defending, but going forward, they're absolutely incredible. And I'm actually, I was impressed we got them at 2-2 yesterday. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. <laughs> Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com because that's a good of attacking side that they are. Mm, okay. Um, and just before we, we head off um, to 
the interview that we've done with Toby Tarrant. Um, I just wanted to ask about MacArthur. Now, obviously MacArthur you know, got two goals yesterday. Um, it's something I mentioned previously on previous shows. Do we think that we've got enough to keep MacArthur? Do we think MacArthur will want to stay at our club if we, are, we continue to be you know, where we are? Um, because obviously, you know, I know last season, January time, I think Arsenal were looking at MacArthur. Now, if he's playing like this every week, do we think it's enough to, we've got enough to keep him in the side? Now, I'm, I'm personally worried because you know, there's not a lot of players out there that uh, could do what MacArthur do, that you know, are tailor-made for the Premier League. But one thing that might work against him is his age, which might work in our favour. Now, you know, the likes of you know, someone like an Everton or um, you know, looking at a Southampton, a team like that, he'd be tailor-made for them. But you know, have we, have, is he going to stay with us, Nick? Do we think he's, he's going to stay with us? Because I'm a bit worried. I like that because it's, uh, you're, again, you raise a good point because it's something that we spoke about. I think it was on one of the preview pods quite recently. Um, when we brought uh, uh, Kabai in, my impression was that Kabai was going to sit behind the front front one or two and just play off them and be the playmaker up there. I actually think that when Remy comes back and assuming we drop into something like a 4-4-2, um, I, think the, I think James McCarthy's better position isn't where he's playing at the moment. But again, playing in that, what I was going to call the Johan role, okay, he's just sitting behind the front two and spraying the balls out to Remy and Benteke and leaving in Kabai as the holding midfield player on his own. Um, will he stay... I think you're right. His age is on our side and nobody else's. Will somebody want to put a, put a four-year deal down in front of him? I wouldn't have thought so. Mm. Uh, Patrick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Nick on that. The age is the issue, not the way he plays as a great player, but I think his age is going to be this detriment. And I don't think teams like Arsenal... That would have been a year ago, Alex. They've moved, they've moved past a player like a MacArthur. Yeah. You know, the only player, team I can see him going to maybe like being Everton, but that, for me, they've got players similar to him and their team right now, similar age. So I think he'll stay. But I like what Nick just said about Remy. I didn't, hadn't thought about that, Nick, but he would be, he would be that replacement for, for Townsend if we can get him into mm. the side because if you can put uh, Remy and Benteke up front and then you've got Punchin, Zaha, Kabai and MacArthur, now you're talking about yeah. as far as that transition yeah. goes, as far as moving up balls. So I actually hadn't thought about that. If he comes back, he can, be an, he can be an extra factor that we could really use. So that's a great point. Well, he, he's obviously returned to, to, to training uh, this week. And, you know, I, I think we might see, see him make an appearance for us in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Let's talk about December now, Alex, aren't I? Oh, okay. So December time. So we've still got a month, month to regain his fitness. Okay, now it's time for our interview we recorded earlier with our very own Albert Curley and Lucy White with Fan TV's Toby Tarrant. Enjoy. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Good evening. You're joining me, Albert, and Lucy White here on Home Radio. We are joined with a very special guest. Uh, we've been on his show several times. Um, it's Fan TV and Radio X's Toby Tarrant. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever it is. How are we? How are we? We're good. Well, we're, you know, as you said just before, you're probably better than us because for those that don't know, Toby is a Liverpool fan. 
So this could be awkward. Um, Sorry for my sins. I, uh, I have to admit, I was watching the game knowing that I was coming on this today. And, uh, and I was thinking, oh, God, I, I feel like the pragmatic side of me was like, we should probably get a draw here. It would be nice. But I have to admit, I was delighted when that, uh, that fourth goal went in. I'm yeah, I was going to say, listen, don't, don't let the fact that you're, you're on a very biased Palace show sway <laughs> your opinion. We, we, want, we want your full honesty, all right? No, OK. Well, I, I dropped you a message last night to say that, uh, that I did think you were absolutely robbed, I have to admit. Wow. I'd be interested to hear that because um, I thought the complete opposite. But um, let's just go from the top. So how did you get into Liverpool? Um, do you know what? My, uh, my first love was uh, Robbie Fowler. Was, uh, so so my, my uncle and my brother were Liverpool fans, but I only found out years later that they actually know absolutely nothing about football. And I was an absolute anorak. Um, and they introduced me to Robbie Fowler when I was about five, six years old. And he was my first love. And then obviously 1998, when I was seven, Michael Owen scored that goal against Argentina. So that kind of confounded it for me, really. That's it. I, I'm just gonna... Also, at that age, I didn't really have a concept of geography. So had I known that it was going to take me five hours to get up there to go to every game, then I probably would have uh, maybe got a bit closer to home. But you can't change a team once you pick them. It tends to be a Man United problem, that, doesn't it? I know, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm the only Liverpool fan from all my mates. They're all uh, Arsenal, Man United or Chelsea. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit lonely in that respect. Nice. A nice glory bunch. You know the thing about being lonely, though, Albert, don't you? Uh, Well, you know, I I do have a wife and child somewhere in this house. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, I try, I try, I try and keep myself, you know, full of company because when you're on your own, you start to think about things like, oh, shit, I'm a Crystal Palace fan, and that's when it can get you down. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I'm taking the mic, but I'm currently sat in my studio apartment in my underwear eating cornflakes. So, really, yeah. <laughs> there's an image, Lucy. Don't calm down, Lucy. I know, I know you get. <laughs> You're used to having Lucy feed you, aren't you? Actually, when when we're on the on your show, I mean, we I mean, out of context, that sounds very very strange. But we uh, Lucy probably did, just, yeah, she did once feed me. Uh, she did once feed me chocolate cake live on TV, <laughs> which was uh, which it was like it was. If you just tuned in, it would have been like one of those weird Japanese game shows. <laughs> mm. I, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed I, it too. <laughs> I've watched I've watched it back several times. Um, <laughs> same, same. <laughs> with the lights, with the lights off, with the lights off late at night. I've watched it a few times. Yeah, totally. Lucy, I think I think there's no better time to hand over to you for a question. <laughs> um, you actually have two teams, don't you, Toby? You uh, also follow Reading. I do. I'm a, I'm a bit bipolar in that respect when it comes to football. So my uh, so my dad's a Reading fan, big Reading fan, with a couple of season tickets. So uh, I do tend to go there most weekends as well, and just to watch a bit of football, really. But um, it's, on yeah, the way it's an interesting football, one. Isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit easier to get to as well. You know, it's it's funny that. So I remember I, when I first started going to Reading, I really do love the club, you know, and I really wanted to do them do well. And I was, there was times when I was like, I wonder what would happen if. Uh, Reading played Liverpool and then Reading knocked Liverpool out of the FA Cup about, what, about five, six years ago. And I was in the Liverpool end, effing and blinding and swearing at the guys that I sit next to every week over the barrier. I absolutely hated Reading for 90 minutes. So that's when I learned that actually I don't love them as much as I thought they did. <laughs> Fair enough. I was going to say, we've, I mean, everyone's not Liverpool out of the cup at some point. We can, we can probably, uh, yeah, we... yeah, you can, you, you can relate. You can relate. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knocks us out of the FA Cup nowadays at some point. Nice. And, I mean, you've touched... I, I think I know what the answer to this is going to be, but what's your, your favourite all-time Liverpool player? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, Robbie Fowler was uh, was obviously my first love. Um, Luis Suarez is the best player I've ever seen in the Liverpool shirt. He was uh, he was a freak of nature. Um, not even not even that final season where he scored those thirty one league goals or something. Actually, before that, when he had, didn't actually score a ridiculous amount, he scored a fair few. But his first two seasons, even before he was scoring goals, I was saying to people, I said, I'm telling you, this guy is something else. He could not make a mermaid to that man. I couldn't believe how good he was. Um, but, but for me, it's Steven Gerrard. He's probably the one I associate with the most memories. Um, obviously, for me, Istanbul and then the FA Cup final was kind of my... I was a bit young for Robbie Fowler. I remember loving him, but I don't really know why. I remember his hatching against Arsenal when I was about four or five years old. Um, but Steven Gerrard's the one that really is just, I mean, I absolutely love that man. I do sick, sick things to Steven Gerrard, frankly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what about There's an image as well. The current squad, who would be your favourite player in the current squad? Um, I mean, the, the best man at Liverpool at the moment is the, is the main man, the gaffer, Jurgen Klopp really is. And he's the one that I'm in love with at the moment. Um, but the current crop, I have... A very soft spot for Adam Lallana. I think he's so good to watch. He's so elegant. And uh, Coutinho, obviously, I mean, I thought he was just mesmeric yesterday. I thought Coutinho was absolutely unplayable yesterday. When he's in that kind of mood, I don't think there's many better in the league than him. I think him and De Bruyne are the two number 10s in this league that are just a class above everybody else. Maybe Meza Ozil as well. Um, and Emre Chan as well, I think. I'm, I actually thought Wijnaldum actually didn't do too much wrong at the beginning of the season. But I think Emre Chan... Actually, it was a bit of a blessing in the skies when Wijnaldum got injured to get Chan back in the team. I thought he was good yesterday as well. Nice. Now, apart from uh, the three-all at Celeste a couple of seasons ago, and apart from when we ruined Stephen Gerrard's last game, do you have yep, any yep, other yep. favourite Liverpool games of all time? Um, well, apart from, obviously, is it, is it Chris Dumble, you call it, is it? Yeah. We call is it Chris, Chris Dumble, is- yeah. Chris Dumble, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is quite good, I have to admit. Yeah, that was a, that was a low point, I'm not going to lie. So the worst thing about that game is I was working. I was working in a pub at the time. And I rushed home and I got in at 3-0. And I never saw our score. I just got in and watched you then pull it back. It was the most <laughs> depressing game I think I remember in recent memory. Um, there's a few. Norwich 5-4 last season was a great one when Klopp broke his glasses. It was, uh, was, was an amazing one. I was in a pub watching that and uh, remember that fondly. I was also at Anfield a few years ago when... Uh, Dirk Kout scored late on in the FA Cup to knock Man United out of the FA Cup. That was a, that was a very satisfactory one. And then obviously the uh, the Dortmund game last season. But then the Dortmund game kind of rankles a bit now. We went on to lose the final. But at the time, that Dortmund game was just one of the... I mean, it's one of those nights that you get at Anfield once every decade or so that you never forget, really. That's one of those games. As, as, as a supporter of a team that doesn't dabble in much European football... Yeah, yeah, as yeah. A, as, as, as a neutral watching that, I find it hard to keep up because the away goal thing, it's just like, is, are they yeah. through now? You know, when you're not in Europe, I, I find that a very tricky system. So, I, yeah, that, it, was a, it, that, it, that was a real bamboozler for me, that game. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it's one of those where I basically was the same. I was trying to do the maths and I was like, I think basically we just have to keep scoring loads of goals, I think is the plan here. That's a good plan for any game. I, I find it works quite well. I find it works quite well in all games. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well so, um, it worked well yesterday. I mean, I think that's going to be life under Jurgen Klopp, really. He never really mastered defence at Dortmund. Um, I think, I mean, I think you're going to have to score three goals to beat us really I think from now on I really do think that we, we just look like we can score in every attack at the moment we create so many chances I think there was a moment we, we beat Leicester at home earlier this season I think there was a moment where we scored one of our goals and eight players were in the opposition area I think it was the two centre-backs and the goalie were the only ones outside the area when the ball crossed the line so I mean 
It's a weird one because I think to a man, I don't think Liverpool's defence are actually playing that badly. I wouldn't say that. I certainly say Klein and Matip have had very good seasons. So is Muller at left back. Um, Lovren's been a bit shaky, but he was a bit poor yesterday as well. But I'd say to a man, they've not been that bad. But we're just so attacking. I think we're just going to have to get used to conceding goals, to be honest. Toby, this brings us nicely on to yesterday and the game. It was quite an interesting game, I have to say. Um, I was there. Um, I was obviously came away very disappointed. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Lucy, you know I hate to upset you. Oh, no, I, I was very upset. Um, <laughs> but obviously, you, you would have uh, come away from that game very pleased. Yeah, um, I was actually, it was, uh, it was my birthday yesterday, but it was also another friend's birthday, and she had organised a salsa lesson in Hackney. Uh, so I watched it in a pub downstairs whilst everybody else was upstairs learning salsa. <laughs> and then I joined the salsa lesson half an hour late. And word of advice, if you ever do go to a salsa lesson, don't miss the first half an hour, because it really puts you a bit of a loss, to be honest, not knowing the basic steps <laughs> to the salsa. So uh, I think I'm going to leave salsa to the Hispanics from now on. Well, I really didn't master it by the end. I did really had it nailed in it. There, did you just walk in there, arms aloft, beating your chest, I, just chanting? Yeah, really absolutely. Very, very arrogantly, very arrogantly. And then I quickly came down to earth um, very quickly when I realised that I had gone straight into intermediates and missed the beginner lesson. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's much harder than it looks, salsa. Little tip. We won't see anyone strictly then in a few years. <laughs> right, first of all, I've got to be count as a celebrity first. I think mean, that's going to be the hardest part. Well, well after doing this uh, show, pff, who, mate, <laughs> exactly. This, from here, it's all up. It's all uphill from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it was. It was. I mean, like you say. I mean, I thought we. I thought we were very good going forward today. We pro. I mean, we probably did deserve to win. We created a lot of chances. Um, Mandanda's a superb keeper, isn't he? He he made a couple of great saves. Um, but I have to admit, at three two. I just thought it was an absolute stonewall of a Zaha penalty. It looked good in real time. It looked even better in the replays. Um, it was the only one of all the penalty shots. That was the only one that I thought was actually a penalty. But I thought it was an absolute stonewaller. And if at that point you go free or with our recent record at Selhurst, I thought anything was possible from there, to be honest. So uh, I have to say, we did get a bit of the rub of the green. But um, we needed that, given our recent performances against Crystal Palace. Yeah. Uh, similar to Palace, your defence is uh, proving a bit of a problem. Um, with the January window coming up, well, rather rapidly, who would you potentially like to see brought in, maybe? Um, it, I, I mean, it's a bit of a tough one. Like I say, I mean, Joel Matip's been a revelation. Um, I mean, how we got him for free, I have no idea. He, he's an absolute Rolls-Royce defender. He, I tell you, he reminds me exactly of Sammy Huppier. He really is a throwback to Sammy Huppier. Um, Lovren, every now and then, looks like an absolute machine, but he has off days, and yesterday was one of them. Um, Klein, I mean, what we need is in January, if we could clone Nathaniel Klein, if we could commit our budget to freezing Nathaniel Klein and making a second one that can play at left back, that would be absolutely superb. Um, I mean, to be fair to Milner, Milner slotted in there really well, and all summer, everyone was going, surely Liverpool are going to sign a left back, and I was there going, surely we're going to sign a left back, but as soon as pre-season started, Klopp had Milner at left back, so he obviously saw something there, and, uh, and he's been proved right, obviously he was out with a virus yesterday, but I mean, Alberto Moreno, I was talking to my mate about him yesterday. Not only is he awful defensively, but 
he's not exactly Marcelo going forward either. He's probably a half-worth player going forward as well. So I'm, I've got, I have to say I've got, uh, I've got very little time for Alberto Moreno. He's still young, but um, I mean, the real, the real shame is that um, John Flanagan had two really bad injuries because I really liked him. Uh, that season where we nearly won the league, he was superb at left-back. And um, Twinnis Veed stayed fit. I'd happily still have him there, to be honest with you. But um, sadly... Hope I'm wrong, touch wood, but I think I don't think he'll ever quite be the same player. It's a bit like Martin Kelly for you as well. He was he was superb for us at right back, but yeah. just too many injuries, I think, really. I think our problem with Martin Kelly is we don't play him in the right position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I mean, you. It was a good effort yesterday by Palace to make Liverpool's defence look actually all right because I thought your defending was absolutely awful yesterday. <laughs> to be honest with you, it really was all over the shop. Was yeah, it was it wasn't one for the. Uh... It wasn't one for a, a defensive mastermind, was it? it was, no, I don't, I don't think either team defended, uh, covered themselves in glory. I'll tell you who I would take a left back, actually, is uh, George Friend from Middlesbrough. If Middlesbrough wanted to give us him, that would be great. Or we'll probably just do what we standardly do and go raid Southampton and go take Ryan Burcham, which I'll, I'll be happy with that as well, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, but I thought, I mean, uh, I mean, the marking of Joel Matip, what a header, by the way, but the marking of him for that corner by Tompkins was, was shocking. Um, there wasn't any marking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think you could call it marking, could you? I mean, it's amazing how often you do see that in the Premier League, just a, an unmarked header going from a corner. You think, how many times have they... They know that all they have to do is stay with their man. I think Tompkins, to be fair, got a bit caught up in traffic, but he was so slow off the mark. He was so slow to react anyway. He caused, he caused his own problems, really. There's a great slow-mo of the goal, and you can see, you can see James Tompkins' face, and he's really concentrating, and, and he looks like he's sort of wrestling with an invisible man. I don't know what he thinks he's got immediately next to him because there's no one yeah. next to him. It's, I, think, I, I spotted that. It was almost like Tompkins was like, right, I've definitely lost my man here, but I might be able to blag it in the replay that I'm actually marking this bloke. So uh, I'm going to just jump on this guy now and try and get away, try and get away with it, yeah. I, I think he tried yeah. marking himself at one Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, that, it, it was shoddy. And, um, I mean, obviously for, for your first goal as well. I mean, really, James McCarver shouldn't be scoring two headers, which is probably a sign that we didn't defend particularly well yesterday either. Um, but the first goal, obviously, was a bit shambolic by, uh, by Lovren back to Carius. And, and I'm... As much as I've been raving about Steven Mandanda, I'm not sure about our new keeper at all, to be honest, from what I've seen so far. I hadn't seen much of him in the Bundesliga at all. And uh, he came over with rave reviews, and he's still young. But um, from what I've seen, I don't know. It seems like we just got another Simon Mignolet with better hair. <laughs> you, you know, the, I'll tell you what, Lawrence Carrius as well, you've got to check out his Twitter and Instagram. He... Uh, he, all he does is upload photos of himself, like in training and stuff. And it's like another day at the office and all that. And then he does hashtag LK1. Which oh. he's the only person doing it. He does it like it's a thing. Like we're all meant to go. Oh, of course, hashtag LK1. Of course, why not? But he's the only man hashtagging LK1. It's certainly not trending. It's certainly not trending anytime soon. It's a slow burner. <laughs> yeah, give it time. It's a bit like a bit like your radio show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> it's I think what five six years we've been doing this now, and you know, I think at least twelve people will be tuning in tonight. So uh... perfect. Well, I mean, well, I'm I'm normally on at four till six thirty in the morning, so this will be the most listeners I've ever had. So I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just just going forward in in the, looking at the season ahead, are you contenders for the title? It, I mean, I'm a very very I'd say I'm a very negative Liverpool fan in terms of. Um, the recent years have, have, have numbed me a bit and I don't expect much. So it's, I was sat watching the game of Liverpool Fed last night, um, pre-Salsa, and we were discussing it. And I said, right now, if you offered me fourth place, I'd, 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 I'd shake your hand and take it. 
Um, he said, he said, absolutely not. He wants more than that. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are saying they don't have the defence. And the year that we came second behind Man City, it was the same problem. We conceded 49 goals that season, scored 100 and something. Um, I just, I don't know. If anyone can win us the league, it's Jurgen Klopp. Um, do you know what, though? For all that, I have to say, you look at the team that played yesterday, and uh, Mane's been a revelation. But really, it's pretty much the side that, um, that Brendan Rodgers brought. Uh, you know, he got Coutinho for about eight, ten million, something like that. I mean, that is an absolute steal for that guy. Uh, Firmino was a Rodgers signing. Lalana and a lot of them as well. When they first arrived, people were going, "What are you doing?" Um, Lalana and Henderson, for example. Well, now Henderson's our captain, and Lalana's probably behind Coutinho, our best player at the moment. So I think Rodgers does deserve, deserve a bit of credit for the players that he brought. Um, but I just think tactically, I just think Klopp's so exciting to watch, and he's uh, and. He's lifted. There was a bit of a cloud over Anfield for a few years. I think I don't think we were very likable, and I and uh, I hold my hands up and say that sometimes our fans are pathetic with you know the the clinging on to past glories and stuff like that. And uh, we had you know we had the Hodgson era, which was a bit of a laughing stock. We had the American owners Gillette and Hicks, who were horrible. Uh, we had Suarez, Evra, fitting the racism. Uh, Dalglish didn't cover himself in glory with some of his interviews around. Then the media really didn't warm to him. Then Rogers came in. He was basically David Brent. So, I mean, we had, we've been a bit of a laughing stock for years, really. And I think Klopp's just lifted that whole clo- uh, cloud over Anfield. I think it's been, he's been an absolute revelation. So if anyone can win the league, it'll be Jurgen Klopp. I still think Man City and maybe Arsenal are probably a bit stronger than us at the moment, to be honest. So you keep on about Klopp, Toby, and you love him so much, you actually dressed up as him for your birthday, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. Did you see the photos? I did. It was amazing. I was actually with some Liverpool fans yesterday, uh, friends of mine, and I showed it to them today, and they were like, they actually had to do a double take. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, there's a, there's a couple of things. First of all, so I dressed up like that, and, uh, and, and my mates were saying, I think you look more like Jurgen Klopp than he does. It did work very well. I even grew the ginger beard for a couple of weeks beforehand just to get it just right. And uh, and I remember, so my mate took a Snapchat with me and said it is, is my story. And somebody texted him going, mate, is that actually him? And he went, and he went, he went, no, of course it isn't. He goes, do you really think that Jurgen Klopp walks around town in full Liverpool tracksuit, Liverpool cap in his glasses at all times? <laughs> Just so that people recognise him. And he's like, of course it's not him, it's a bloke in fancy dress. And then I was in this bar in, uh, in Brixton and the manager came up to me and, uh, and he gave me a coupon and he goes... And he goes, mate, that's the best outfit I've seen all night. Have a free drink on me. Turned out the manager's a Liverpool fan. I got free drinks for about an hour from all the bar staff. It was brilliant. I'm going out to Jurgen Club every weekend from now on, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was my, very my good. It was very impressed. Yeah, do it, mate. Do it. You can pull it off, If anyone can pull it off, it's you, mate. I have to say, I, I, I rock similar specs. And when my son was probably six, he was probably about 18 months, Liverpool were on. And you know the old Sky graphics where all the players walk up to the camera when they're doing the... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He looked round when Jurgen Klopp was on it, and I was a bit unshaven at the time. And he pointed it and said, "Daddy." So <laughs> either that, or he knows something that you don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. Now, my, 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 my wife's a United fan. She'd never do that. She'd never. Do that. All right, okay. Maybe it was in the Dortmund days, though. Maybe it was in the Dortmund days. You got, you got to do the maths. You got to do the maths. <laughs> yeah, we should wrap up. I'm going to go and have a word. Um, listen, yeah. we won't keep you too much longer but tell us a bit tell us a bit about your, your Radio X show you've just moved over from Capital um, yeah 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 when can when can uh, we hear you on the radio 
Uh, well, this week, actually, uh, I'm very, very excited and a bit apprehensive and a bit of everything. Uh, I'm covering Johnny Vaughan this week on the 4 till 7 uh, p.m. on the Drive Time Show, which I'm absolutely buzzing about. So uh, I won't be on Fan TV until Saturday, I'm afraid, guys. But um, normally, normally I'm doing uh, the graveyard shift, 4 till 6.30 in the morning. But I hand over to Chris Moyles, obviously, which is, a, which is a huge honor. He's one of my heroes growing up listening to radio. So uh, that's massive. But, um, yeah, normally 4 till 6.30 in the morning. So I think my listeners are either probably alcoholic insomniacs or uber drivers i think that's pretty much my that's pretty much my clientele i think well you say that if it goes well this week you might find johnny vaughan's on the early morning well exactly you know what one could one could only dream one could only dream no he's uh he's been a, he's been superb he dropped me a very nice message wishing me luck and stuff so no he's been uh he's been very cool but it's uh it's an awesome station um i was i was at capital which i loved i loved my time there um and I'm very grateful to the station for the chance they gave me and stuff, but there's only so much Justin Bieber, a grown man, can listen to, really. And so, uh, so uh, I'm much more that- of the other... Well, I mean, maybe not, Albert, maybe not, maybe not. So, you know, I, was, I, was on the, I was on with Chris Moyles the other morning, and I did say to him that my job for a year and a half was to sit in a room with no windows listening to Justin Bieber on repeat, which is actually how they torture people at Guantanamo Bay. So oh, I nice. did quite well to survive. Did quite well, well to survive. Done. No, I, I loved it there, but... Um, the other morning, I played the Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac, and the Verve in a row, which is a bit more me. It's a bit more me that. Yeah, that's, that's that sounds way better. And when you are yeah, on fan TV, bad. when you are on fan TV, when can we check that out? I mean, we know. Uh, we usually, uh, yeah, usually, uh, usually this uh, this I would be on Wednesdays, uh, Wednesdays seven to ten, and Fridays seven to ten. But this week, the lovely plain and unattractive Kiri Bluer is covering for me, so she'll be on instead. But um, I think I'm doing her show on Saturday, so looking forward to that. And just to throw the cat amongst the pigeons, out of you, Kiri and Justin Lee Collins, are you the best presenter? Oh, yeah, it's a given, mate. That's a given. <laughs> no, no, Wait. do you know what? Uh, they are both superb. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's quite emasculating hanging out with Kiri because I consider myself a bit of a football anorak, but she knows everything there is to know about football. And, uh, and Justin Lee Collins is just hilarious, isn't he? He's, uh, I think we all bring something different to the show. I think it works quite well, actually. We were a bit not sure whether it would work with three presenters, but actually, I think it works really well. I think everybody's show kind of has its own character and personality, which mixes it up a lot, because, you know, sometimes football can get... Sometimes people get taken a bit too seriously, so I think we we find the balance quite well between the three of us. No, it's a great show, and everyone should check it out. It's on Sky Channel Two One Two, and you can watch it on Facebook and YouTube as well. We'll put all the links. Sky Channel Two One Two is uh, is essentially if you've hit the jewelry channel, you've gone too far. I think that's how that works. <laughs> nice. <laughs> somewhere between babe, the somewhere between Babe Station and Bit Up TV, something something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a place to be. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, that's, after, after I hang up on you I'm going to go straight to my gig at Babe Station and just wave a phone around that's my other job I moonlight doing that as well whilst <laughs> eating cereal <laughs> yeah eating cereal in my underwear it's a very it's a very niche fetish that uh, it's a hole in the market that was be- begging to be plugged and I thought I'd be the guy that plugged it <laughs> Wow, that's what she says. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that highbrow note. On that highbrow note, listen, Tabby, it's been great having you on our show for a change. Uh, yeah, you guys got Thank you for having me, guys. We'll, uh, we'll, nice we'll do it again after the, uh, after the return fixture at uh, Anfield. It'll be good to speak to you guys again. Definitely. And I'm sure we'll see you in your studio at some point. Perfect, yes, right. mate. See you guys soon. All right. Bye, Bye-bye. 
Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel. And just for Homestale radio listeners, we've got an extra special offer right now. When you sign up, use the promo code PALACE. That means if you don't make money in your first contest, FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10. So go to fanduel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now. What are you waiting for? Terms apply. Over 18s only. Please play responsibly. Okay, that was Toby Tarrant from Fan TV, their presenter and son of famous dad. Um, okay, so I thought just before we go, let's go through some of your tweets. Um, we've got Stewie CPFC saying he doesn't think Pardew is good enough. Um, we've got Joey16900 saying stop zonal marking. James Charvel, Pardew should be sacked, that's all I know. Um, and we should have the results of our poll. Um, I don't know if you remember, but we put out a tweet earlier in the evening asking if Pardew should stay in charge. Um, and, well, if Pardew will be in charge by Christmas time. And I think we've got the results. Um, so, fingers crossed we'll get them very soon. But I know, Patrick, you've Alex, got, a few, you've got a few tweets. Yeah. Um, in answer to the question, what's Pardew's future with the club do you think he'll last until Christmas um, Bert Macken says yes Patrick Silver says he will last because nobody's more viable for the job but I still hope the owners are looking so I agree with it obviously hmm. Mark Dannymore I think Parrish will want to give him the rest of the season can't see a change as we are in the bottom three and Dave Jones says 20 points by Christmas and he stays I'm not sure he will get us that many okay so so a lot of mixed mixed reaction there around Pardew. Um, but we have the results and the results are in. And a whopping 62% have said, yes, Pardew should still be in charge um, at Christmas time. So at the moment, it looks like um, the fans, you know, have got his, got his backing. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is after that run of games in November. Um, Nick, have you got any last bits in the chat room before we do. head off? Yeah, indeed. Uh, Homesdale Radio forward slash chat. Thank you, guys, for your lovely comments in there about the uh, recording with Toby Tarrant. It's really nice to see your views. Going back to a couple of points earlier on, uh, Danny H said, if we play like that, in other words, yesterday against City, we'll get absolutely battered. Uh, he also says, if we don't beat Burnley, I can see us being banging trouble by Christmas. Eagle 67-64. Thing is, if this continues, do we give Pardew a January transfer window? His opinion is he wouldn't. Okay, and uh, call legal 89. I'd give him till early December. Guys, England chat rooms, thank you very much for your responses this evening. I've enjoyed your company. Thanks again. All right, that's, I think that's about it, guys. Um, thanks very much uh, for, for coming on today, Nick and Patrick. And we'll be back in the week with the preview podcast uh, from Terence, as well as the show next Sunday from 8 p.m. All right, cheers, guys. Thank you very much.
Dale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the show. And now, especially for podcast uh, subscribers and people that have downloaded the podcast, here are your four-word reviews. Carl Tushingham, keep Pardew, get relegated. Ross Bryan, can't defend set pieces. Tim Green, feel sorry for Steve. Tim Warren, can't defend for toffee. Chris Palace, Chungy, not good enough. Ebo, go back to basics. Simon Pizzi, Big Sam is available. Teddington Eagles, need to work harder. James Morrow, defending is so overrated. The one I get in all the silly ones here. Matt Underwood, Benteke was too lazy. Jack Watson, Liverpool were too good. John at I deserve a beer. Hmm. So not glad, <laughs> not glad all over. Okay, and those are your four word reviews, and I think this is the moment where I do a you know Chris Hamblin, Jerry Springer moment and you know, take time to reflect on yesterday's game and just put things in perspective that you know we did play against a really good side in Liverpool and we hope that in November we will see a much improved Crystal Palace. Um, thanks very much for downloading the podcast, guys, and we look forward to you know, being in your company next week uh, where we will be reviewing the Palace-Burnley match. Thank you. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.